This is the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman CPA. I am Art Wiederman CPA. I have been on every single episode. That doesn't usually change, but we're here today, and um, I'm proud of our podcast, The Art of Dental Finance. We are uh, approaching uh, almost 20,000 people that have listened to our podcast over the past uh uh, almost one year, and we're in uh, you know virtually every state in the country and 57 countries around the world. Uh, I'm also a proud member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 24 incredible CPA firms across the United States, of which I am one of them in Southern California, uh, that represent over 9,000 dentists. And again, as I've told you through our journey uh, down the road on this podcast, you're going to meet a lot of my friends and you're going to meet members of the Academy of Dental CPAs and you are going to meet a wonderful member, uh, one of our newest members of the Academy of Dental CPAs. And uh, you're going to meet uh, Jess Bogomil today from the CPA firm Fluence in Portland, Oregon. And um, Jess is going to talk about a really, really important topic uh, and it's something that's near and dear to all of our hearts at the ADCPA, and that is the metrics of a dental practice. Now, when you hire a CPA, most people, if you were to say, what does a CPA do? Well, they do my taxes. Well, I will tell you that what we do at the Academy of Dental CPAs uh, is far beyond that because uh, I've learned in management courses uh, all throughout my 35-year career as a dental CPA that you really need to uh, almost be the CFO of your dentist practices. And that's what Jess uh, and his team in Portland do. That's what a lot of our members do. And we're going to get into some of the weeds as far as some of the numbers that you should be looking at in your dental practice regarding production and collections and uh, hygiene. And um, uh, Jess does this with all of his, uh, uh, with all of his clients. So before I get to Jess, I want to give out a little information. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me in Southern California, my number is 714-259-0505. Uh, if you would like to send me an email, you have a question you'd like us to read on the air, or um, you have a suggestion for the podcast, we've gotten some great suggestions uh, from some of our listeners for podcast uh, ideas. Uh, I'm at artweederman at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to see uh, the podcasts, go to our website, www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources link, click on podcast, and they are all there to be downloaded. Also, I would ask all of you to please tell, of you, tell all of your friends about the podcast downloaded on either your iTunes or your Android. So that's our information for today. And um, I would like to uh, introduce... My good friend, Jess Bogomil. Jess uh, is from the CPA firm of Fluence uh, in Portland, Oregon. And uh, Jess, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance. Thank you very much, Art. Thank you for having me on. Well, it, it's great. And um, the one thing that, that you and I and uh, your partner, uh, your wonderful partner, Christy Harris, have in common is uh, is golf. So uh, how's your golf game? <laughs> well, um, 
my golf game is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the truth? Now, now you have golf, you have a, a, a golf uh, resort up there that I've never been to that I'm dying to go to called Bandon Dunes. Uh, I know you've played that. It's pretty cool, huh? Oh, Bandon is, is amazing. Um, you know, I describe it as the amusement park for, you know, adults that like to play <laughs> golf. Um, the there's so park. many courses. It's just beautiful. It really feels like you're stepping into to Scotlanders somewhere. It, I highly recommend it. Well, um, uh, you, you're on my bucket list and I'd love to get you and, uh, and, and Christy and some of your, and, um, and, and Christy's sister Tracy also plays and she's a CPA at the firm too. And, um, uh, you know, we, the, um, the Academy of Dental CPAs hadn't brought a member in for a while, uh, for many years. And then we brought, uh, we brought two members in at the same time. We brought you guys in from Portland and we brought in, um, um, Apple Garrett and company from Baton Rouge. And I, I guess there's been a little, uh, friendly competition going on between the two of you, uh, for two of your firms. Yeah, it was, it was interesting joining the same time that they did. I think it kind of instantly bonded us together. Those guys are great. Oh, They're a lot God. of fun. Uh, we've shared a lot of information back and forth with them, but uh, because we both have good sense of humor, it's also been a little bit of banter and teasing, and uh, it's it, it's a lot of fun being uh, the same year as as those boys in Louisiana. There you go. Well, uh, they were kind enough to invite me not once but twice to go to LSU games, and they were two of the most fun weekends I've I've ever oh, had. That, yeah. That's the great thing about this group is it's just an amazing group of uh, men and women, and the camaraderie camaraderie is fantastic. Well, uh, Jess, we normally do a tax tip or a tax question, um, and you and I were talking between the show. We're going to do a little something different today. Um, I'm going to want you to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, about Fluence, your firm, what you guys do, uh, and, and that's going to kind of lead into our kind of tax tip today, which is kind of how do you work with a CPA? What should the expectations be? And, and that'll kind of get into a little bit about how how your journey has gone. So we're going to not only let Jess uh, introduce himself and his firm, but also uh, talk a little bit about um, you know how a dentist should expect to work with a CPA. So uh, Jess, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks, Art. And I, I will do that. But first, before I get too far into things, I just wanted to make sure to thank you. Um, you have been a tremendous sounding board uh, for us. You've got great advice and experience. Your tax knowledge, tax knowledge is second to none. Um, so uh, thank you for all of that. Thank you for this podcast. It's a wonderful tool that we can share with our clients and uh, it, it certainly helps us be a part of the the thought leader in the dental CPA industry. So we really appreciate that. Well, the, the only reason I seem to be knowledgeable is because I'm old. That's just <laughs> the way it is. But you're you're very kind. You just made my day. Thank you for saying that. And you, you guys have also been wonderful. I mean, all of you, um, you know, big smiles on your face, always been friendly, always been willing to share with, with me, too. And with the group, and that's the wonderful thing about the ADCPA. So, tell us a little bit about your journey, and uh, and again, our uh, our question of the week is on you today. Okay, sounds good. Well, our firm started forty seven years ago. Uh, actually, my father started it. He he left the CPA that he was working for, and he started his own business. It was uh, the year before I was born, which is blows me away that. 
uh, with with a young child and another one on the way, he took the the brave move to start his own firm. And he started with an office and a shared secretary and two clients. Uh, initially, those two clients were both uh, physicians. And he quickly learned that he enjoyed working with, with doctors. Um, they, you know, they're educated, they're smart, they appreciate good help, uh, and, and they needed a lot of help. Um, so he developed our firm with the idea that we work with and help, um, you know, medical dental professionals. And so for the next 47 years, that's what we've done. And so we're very narrowly niched. We know what their needs are. We know their industry. Um, we've helped them develop their practice and grow their practices. Um, and I think it was towards the late 80s, early 90s, uh, we started seeing a lot more HMOs and, and things that made it more challenging for the physician. And at the same time, Christy Harris that you mentioned, uh, she started to work for my father. And her father is, uh, well, he's, he's retired now, but he was a dentist. And she grew up, she and Tracy Harris both grew up in his practice, working in his practice. So their knowledge of the, the inner workings of a dental practice, along with sort of our history of working with professionals and, and medical and dental people really um, became sort of the perfect storm for us being um, this, um, you know, CPA practice that specializes and, and doesn't just do accounting and taxes, but really helps with practice management and consulting, really what, whatever it is that the dentist needs. A lot of times they're not sure what they need, but um, it's really allowed us to help them in all those areas. Um, and, you know, I, I think back, you know, your, your tax tip question uh, made me think back to my father and working for him, coming into the practice uh, and seeing how he worked with clients. Um, a couple things that he really stressed early on was that the first is that no one values a tax return. Um, I mean, they, they appreciate a tax return. They value the tax return being correct and us keeping them out of tax jail, but they can get a tax return anywhere. And so the, the value comes from the additional things that we do and the way that we communicate with them. It's important to make sure that we're speaking in terms that they understand and that they can follow. And so I, I think of myself as almost more of a interpreter of taking challenging accounting and tax ideas, um, business ideas, and converting them into ways that, that others that have not been trained in that area can understand. That's true. And, and listening is really important too. I mean, they, they want to be, our clients want to be listened to and heard and understood. Isn't that true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, um, I don't remember the quote, but it was something along the lines of, you know, if you're talking, you can't be listening and, and really trying to hear what, what the client is saying, because very often they don't know the correct terminology and they don't really understand the concepts. Maybe they've heard a thing or two where they want to do something. But very often the first question that you hear is not the ultimate question that they have. You need to help them kind of work through what it is they're, they're wanting to do. Right. 
And, and so, you know, it, it's, it, and it's almost like with a patient, I was Jess, I was in an office with uh, one of my clients in Northern, happened to be in Northern California. He's been a friend of mine for 30 years. And I actually said, I want to watch you present a case to a new patient. And he met the new patient. And the first thing he started doing was talking about himself, talking about <laughs> himself, his kids, his life, and why he's such a good dentist. And I, and, and after he was done, I pulled him aside. I said, no, I said, you need to talk about your patient. Jess, I'm sure you, the first thing you guys do is you find out about your client. What, tell us about yourself, client. Tell us about your journey, right? Just like we're doing today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is, is probably the most important skill that you can have uh, really in any, I mean, what we, we're in a service business, even dentists are, we are. And so we're here for our patient or our client. And the best thing that you can do is actually listen and hear what it is they are trying to say. So what should a dentist's expectations be from a CPA? That's kind of what we're, we're giving the tip on today. What, 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 do, what should you be doing and what should they be expecting? Well, I think at a basic level, uh, a dentist should expect a CPA to be accurate and timely. Um, I mean, that's really just at the, the foundation that they can prepare a tax return, they can do the accounting and that it's accurate and that they're getting things done on time and responding on time. I hear so many times that, you know, it took two weeks for someone's accountant to get back to them. Well, that's, that is not someone that you want to have in your corner. Um, but going back to what my father said, no one really values that. I mean, they, they appreciate that things are done on time and, and that you get back to them. But to me, what someone should expect is a CPA that, that brings into um, the situation questions. Um, are you doing this? Should you be doing that? Um, right. You know, again, the dentist is is not trained in accounting and taxes. So they don't know what they don't know. And our job is to ask them questions and to probe and to get to a little bit deeper level to see how can we really help them the best. And then I think the other part is just that, you know, if, if I'm in a business and I'm trying to run my business, I want my advisor to know my industry and I want them to be on top of the latest trends and, um, you know, what's new and what are focus areas, all of those things. So to me, it's really important that, um, that a dentist has a CPA and advisor that works with, with dentists in their industry. Yeah. Well, we, we've always said that, and we say that on this podcast also, and that's a perfect segue into our topic, which is, uh, which is the metrics of a dental practice, because that is where we as dental CPAs and the ADCPA bring value to our clients. So let, let's start with the question of uh, just why is it so important that dentists understand what's in their Dentrix, what's in their EagleSoft, what's in their Open Dental? Why is that so important? Well, you know, I think it's it's important um, because it it paints um, it paints a picture. Um, you know, very often dentists they go to work. Their focus is on the patient that's right in front of them. And uh, if you ask them some questions about, you know, what, what procedures are they doing? Uh, what, what are their production levels per month or per year? Um, those kinds of questions. Most of the dentists don't know. 
they they don't have a, a great idea and um they get they can tend to get kind of sucked into their comfort zone of just working in the back and letting the front team uh deal with those other things so i think it's really important that uh they look at um all the sort of business or peripheral things that uh we as cpas and accountants know that they should look at um to help them run the practice uh more efficiently and smoothly. And some of the biggest mistakes maybe you see your doctors do uh, making in managing their practices. Any, any yeah. thoughts on that? Honest, honestly, Art, I think the, the biggest mistake that we see is doctors not managing the practice. I mean, whether we're talking about um, potential fraud or embezzlement up front, um, lost revenue or, or opportunities, uh, the patient experience, practice growth or shrinkage. I mean, it's, it's all allowed to occur when the doctor's not paying attention, when they're not managing. Um, embezzlement's a huge one. And we know the, the biggest door for embezzlement is, is perceived opportunity. And when, when someone perceives that the doctor is not paying attention to anything, then that, that opportunity door is just left wide open. That, that's absolutely right. One of the first podcasts we did was with our president, Alan Schiff, who's mm-hmm. probably the most passionate human being I've ever met when it comes to the dental profession. I mean, he, he he's crazy about it, and, and that's what he does. He's a certified uh, fraud examiner. Well, let, let's, let's, uh, let's get into some of the weeds, Jess. Let's, let's talk about this. I know you do this with your clients. You were kind enough to share these metrics with us in uh, – uh, at our Academy of Dental CPA meeting that, that actually our firm hosted in Huntington Beach almost two years ago. I can't believe it's almost two oh, years ago. So much fun. Yeah, well, that was fun. Um, uh, we, we found out how, um, how how dental CPAs play beach volleyball. That was really interesting. But anyway. <laughs> it was a little more competitive than I thought it might be at it, first. It was really competitive. That People was really fun. serious. Well, they, they all got the uh, golden calculators instead of gold medals for oh, the winning team. Right. Anyway, so – Let's start with one of the first metrics about the relationship between maybe uh, crowns and onlays versus um, four surface fillings. I mean, we, we always want to see, um, you know, how much uh, bigger, uh, you know, bigger restorations as opposed to composites. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks. You know, one of, one of the things that we do is we meet with our clients and we, we look at the doctor's production. Um, what, what are they producing? Um, basically pulling codes. Uh, and typically it's about once a year that we'll look at this with our clients. Um, we'll run reports or we can go in with some certain softwares and we can just go in and pull numbers, but we put together a little analysis and it's more of a summary to show the doctor at a glance, you know, what, what is it that they're doing on a daily basis so that they have a bigger picture idea. And, you know, the, the first thing I want to say is that really all of this comes down to the individual doctor's treatment philosophy. They're the doctor. They're the ones that are trained. They know what's best for the patient. Um, however, generally speaking, when we talk to, to doctors, very often they feel that, say, a crown is the better long-term solution than a four surface filling or a large filling. And so we can look at some of our, our higher producing clients and see that on average, they are doing about 
four crowns for every four surface filling. Okay. So we just we just have a test where we run and see how many crowns did they do in the year, how many four surface fillings did they do, and we put that number in front of them. Uh, some of the even higher producing practices are doing more like six to eight crowns for every large fill. Right, and and that is again, it's a, it, you know you get some doctors. Uh, I had I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast just one time. I was actually because we sell dental practices too here in Southern California. And I had a dentist who'd been in practice for 38 years, the nicest uh, husband and wife team. They were the husband was a dentist. The wife was the office manager. And and uh, I I, I went in there. I said, so what's your annual production? He says, well, we did 380,000 last year. I'm saying you've been in practice for 38 years in this high end community. And uh, that's all he says. Art, um, he says, have you ever seen the TV show that Mickey Mouse is on called The Watch Factory? And I said, yeah, I used to watch that when I was a little kid. Uh, my my mom was actually uh, there the opening day, uh, the Disneyland opened in 1956. So we were big Disneyland fans. And when we came to California, we used to go a lot more. And, and he says, well, we have a watch factory. And I said, well, what does that mean? He says, well, every tooth, I, you know, I watch this and watch the tooth and I will watch it and we'll watch it. And, 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 and he says, I, I just haven't done a lot, which means that the place is a gold mine. But uh, you see that sometimes? Oh, absolutely. The, the, the famous watch list. Uh, I had a, a client. He was new to us. And we had our first meeting where we looked at some of these benchmarks. And his numbers just were not in, in the, the same ballpark as, as the benchmarks. And so we were having conversations about it. And he was talking about, he said he was a very conservative dentist. And that he, he said that he had some five-year watch lists five so, year yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> that's 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 a long time to watch a tooth uh he probably didn't have digital x-ray uh no 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 they they normally don't uh next one let's talk about um uh, the relationship between the number of crowns a doctor does and uh, the buildups yeah um you know crowns versus buildups um it, again it's just a test that we run um how many how many buildups are they doing? But more importantly, are they billing for the buildup? Right. Uh, that's kind of where we see the the breakdown. Very often, I mean, the dentist knows when they need to do uh, certainly when they get in there whether they need to do a buildup or not. Um, but the problem exists if you think about um, you've you've quoted the patient what it'll cost for a crown, and then you get in there and you realize that you need to do a buildup. And that patient's insurance company doesn't cover buildups. Right. So now you've got this surprise additional expense that the patient was not ready for. Well, we know from, from anything that we're doing in our lives, if all of a sudden we get a surprise added cost, we're not going to be happy with it. And we're not going to want to pay it. And we're going to be frustrated with the organization. So we just want to make sure that our, our clients are, um, being a little bit more proactive and, and, and better communicating so that they are properly setting the expectation of the dentist or the patient. Um, I had a, a client that we were talking about buildups and her, her numbers for um, buildups was much lower. And we were talking about it and she says, well, I only bill it if the insurance covers it. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, so we just had a conversation that, you know, if, if, 
if you're communicating with the patients that a buildup may be necessary, this is the cost, your insurance does cover it or your insurance does not cover it, then you're properly setting the expectation for that patient that um, that may be on there. Now, if it's not and they pay less, then that's, that's great. Or the other part that we'll see is that the dentist will say, well, it just took me two minutes, so I didn't want to bill for it. And my thought on that is that's fine, you know, fine if, you want to, if, if you want to do that, but why don't you at least communicate to the patient that you did it and that you're writing it off or you're giving a discount and get some goodwill in that gesture while you're doing it. That's great. That's absolutely great advice. And it's another reason why one of the missions of this podcast, Jess, is to do what we can to get dentists away from dependency on insurance companies. I mean, um, where does it come that an insurance company, it can make clinical decisions for a dentist, whether a patient needs a buildup. If a tooth is, is so badly damaged and the structure is so bad and you can't do the crown without doing the buildup, why is it the insurance company's position to say, well, you know, you, you, you don't need it? It's just not fair. I mean, you and I both know that, right? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, but, I agree totally. Yeah. But but that is really about verbal skills. And doctors, I, I will share with you as a, as a dental CPA too. If you're going to invest in some uh, counseling on verbal skills, talk to a consultant, talk to the some of the people we've interviewed, talk to, to Jess and Christy and their, uh, you know, about how do you, how do you educate the patient about insurance? Um, you know, insurance only covers a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars for the most case, which is what it covered in the fifties when this thing started. So we, we're not going to get into all of that today, but that is something that if you can get your patients to understand that insurance doesn't dictate the best um, treatment, uh, then you'll be able to to, to bill for that buildup. Let, let's talk next about. Um, comprehensive exams, the 0150 exam and uh, uh, emergencies, 0140s and relationships. And what, what does it mean if uh, you know one is higher than the other? Yeah, thanks. Art. Uh, one of the, the tests we do is we just list the number of comprehensive exams and the, and the number of emergency exams that were done in the last year. And we're looking for two things. The first would be what we want is for the comprehensive exams to to be a higher number than the emergency exams. Um, and then it's, a, it's just a conversation with, with our client, with the doctor. Um, the emergency is, exam can indicate that the practice is just treating emergencies and that they may not be effectively communicating the importance of proactive oral health, uh, that they're not guiding people into the hygiene program. Um, that they're, you know, just, just uh, fixing the immediate problem. Um, you know, other things can, can come into play on that with, you know, demographics and geographic areas. But, you know, again, we're, we're just starting the conversation. Uh, the second piece is um, we, we want to make sure that we're talking to the doctor about, you know, if patient comes in and the doctor is doing a comprehensive exam, they may be, you know, looking at the entire mouth, but they're coding it as an emergency exam, they're leaving money on the table. Now, if they're truly just looking at one tooth, one pain, and that's the, 
the exam, then that's their emergency exam. But if they're really doing a comprehensive exam, but just coding it incorrectly, well, again, we want to have a conversation with them about and, it. And I will tell you just that we had uh, Dr. Charles Blair on our podcast uh, a couple months ago. Uh, Charlie and I have been, uh, he, he's just one of the really good guys in dentistry. And I had him on the podcast and he's got a book. If you don't have his book, I think it's less than a hundred dollars on uh, insurance coding. And it talks about every single insurance code um, known, <laughs> known to the human race and how it should be billed and, yep. and things like that. And, 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 you know, obviously these are the types of things that uh, we need to be talking about now. I want to take a second and let you give your information out. And, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, as you can see, uh, Jess is not your average tax guy. Uh, if your CPA is not talking to you about these types of things, and we all do it in the ADCPA, uh, you, you need to call a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. It's www.adcpa.org is our website. Go to the, um, the map. Uh, it'll give you the roster of all of our 24 firms. Again, I'm in Southern California, uh, north of San Diego. Again, we have a great firm in San Diego, and uh, uh, Fluence is in uh, is in Portland, Oregon. So, uh, Jess, uh, if if anybody has any questions about any of this stuff today, uh, or they want to get a hold of you, how would they best get a hold of you? Well, yeah, uh, there's our website, which would be fluenceportland.com, uh, or they can email me. Uh, First initial, last name, so J-B-O-G-U-M-I-L at Fluence, F-L-U-E-N-C-E, Portland.com. And, and our, you know, I think one thing I'd like to just mention is you mentioned the ADCPA again. And, and in our experience, we joined about two years ago. And I think in, in a quick phrase, my experience, I would say it's exciting. Uh, and and the reason why I say it's exciting is because before we were with the ADCPA, we felt like we were on a deserted island, uh, that we felt like we were the only CPA firm that specialized in dentistry. I mean, we knew that wasn't totally true, but uh, we didn't have uh, anyone to share information with or thoughts Um you know, just even trying to compare ourselves to another CPA practice, it didn't work because we don't we don't act and and work like your typical CPA firm. And then we joined the ADCPA, and we all of a sudden it was this this blanket had been lifted over our eyes, and we saw all these firms that were just like us. They were on the same page. They were seeing the same things. They had very similar knowledge base and experience. Uh, the sharing of ideas in this group is simply amazing. And to top it all off, we get together twice a year for conferences and these people are a lot of fun. It's absolutely by far my favorite conference of the year to go to. Well, so it is exciting. Well, you want to know why we let you guys in the group? <laughs> no. Why is that? Cause you laugh at my jokes, especially Christy. <laughs> Anybody who laughs at my jokes gets in any group that I'm uh, a part of. Uh, because that, that's a, that's a big deal. I, when we were, when we were, uh, talking to the, the Louisiana boys, uh, Robbie and, 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 um, uh, and Jude, um, and they were, uh, uh, you know, I said, I said, so where are you from? They said, uh, Louisiana. I said, where in Louisiana? I said, Baton Rouge. I said, LSU fans he says, you know, tried and true. I said, do I get to go to a game? They said, yes. I said, you're in. Uh, 
You're in. So that's it. It was a very simple vetting process. So there you go. And it's they, good they to keep things simple. It is. It's very simple. So all right, let's let's go back to talking about the metrics. Talk about and because this is a big deal in in today's you know insurance challenged environment. Uh, you know where where fees are are limited if you're if you're contracted with with PPOs. Talk, talk about how you you discuss with your clients uh, adding additional procedures and um, uh, revenue sources in their practices. Yeah, that's great. Um, one of the tests we do is we just list the amount of production that the general dentist has done in various specialty areas, and we compare it with the production that they did the previous year. So just, again, a conversation piece. We don't really have, well, we don't have any benchmarks or metrics on this one. Right. We just want to talk about things and see if there are any opportunities. Uh, and so the first thing is, you know, from our perspective, absolutely, we just want the doctor to feel, to do what they feel comfortable doing and what they've been trained to do. We're not suggesting that they do anything more. Um, you know, I think doctors are, are very particular with what they feel comfortable doing, what they want to do. Um, you know, maybe there's something that they want to do more of and they can get more training in the area. And in today's age of education and really technology, the doctors have an opportunity to keep more of those services in-house, whether it's endo, ortho, oral surgery, uh, all of those items, if they're properly trained, uh, the general dentist can keep in-house, make it more convenient for the patient, build up more goodwill with the patient. Um, It really makes it easier for the patient to then refer them to other people that they know because they know, hey, this is your your one stop shop. This this doctor can take care of all of your needs. Absolutely, and that is and that is something. I mean, we we talk about sleep sleep dentistry. I've I've talked on this show. I share personal stuff. I have sleep. I've had sleep apnea for fifteen years, and it was discovered by hint hint my dentist. Mm-hmm. And I went and had the test, and I have severe sleep apnea. And I slept with a CPAP for the last 15 years, and it probably saved my life. And this is something, doctors, that you're going to hear, you know, that Jess talked to his, um, you know, to his clients about about all these different things. About me- We had a show on medical billing a couple of weeks ago that I, I had no idea that any type of a trauma that a patient has had, everything you do for that trauma, including the buildup, can be billed, you know, through medical insurance. That's That's pretty amazing. Let's talk about what I think is probably the most important thing that that we can help our doctors with is 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 the verbal skills because you know and I always say this just you you know I'm sure you're a very good CPA you were very kind in your words to me about the tax knowledge I, I there, there are a couple people in the in the group that can run some circles around me but I like to think I know uh, know my stuff and 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 people come to you and I um, your firm and my firm because you know it, it, it's a given that we know how to do a tax return and we know what to file. We know the deadlines. It's a given that a dentist understands the mechanical procedure of being a dentist. That that's not what you come to why they come to somebody. It's about the verbal skills, the caring and the trust. So talk about some of the things that you think are important for dentists in verbal skills in talking to their clients, uh, to, to their patients. Yeah. A great point. Um, you know, I think that, um, as you pointed out, uh, I could go to three dentists and I would not know which one has the 
the better clinical skills. If one was really bad, I would know it. Um, and maybe if one was really great, I might know it. But other, other than that, like you said, that's a given that they're going to have good clinical skills. Yeah. And, and what, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What, what, what really makes the difference to me is who, who do I connect with better? Who do I understand? And if, if one of those dentists is using terminology that I don't know or that I have to look up, before I can understand what it is they're saying, I'm not going to connect with that person. And that person may be recommending treatment for me, and I just don't even understand it. So effective communication, phraseology is really important. Just like with us, I can use terms like amortization and alternative minimum tax, depreciation recapture, and my client would have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, I, I don't know what you're talking about either, but that's because no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I do know what those are. Really, I do. Folks, I do. I know what amortization is. I learned it last week. Go ahead. And the same is true for our dentists. Uh, you know, if if they're using terms like profi and deep pockets, um, the the typical patient is not going to understand what it is they're talking about. So they really need to work on using words and terms that the patient is going to understand so that they have more efficient and effective communication. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, they, they don't want to hear about what your margins look like. They don't want to hear about their occlusion. Uh, They really don't want to hear any technical terms or, or, or or what code it's covered under, under the, um, uh, the CDT codes. What what they want to hear is what is the benefit to them and to their total health. And again, we, we've got to emphasize, I think Jess, that, that the dentist, you know, I always say to them, they, they don't just fix teeth. They're about a better life, a better relationship, a better self-esteem, a better job. Uh, and, 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 you know, and I've said this too, I think in the podcast is the dentists, when they retire, I always tell them when we have a closing meeting, I say, doctor, think about the thousands of people that you've changed lives for. Dentists, you're about changing lives. And, you know, talk, talk to your patients about how important it is uh, why this is important, why it's, it, it's, it's good for their total health, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And, you know, I think along with those lines is that, you know, sometimes, um, well, I think accountants too, you know, we, we may be num- better with numbers than we are with people, I think is the, the term that I say when, when someone describes a bad accountant. Um, and, you know, I think with dentistry, sometimes uh, they, they can be, you know, better with teeth and inside mouths than with communication. So, you know, making sure that they, they get the mask off, they get in front of the patient at the patient's level, you know, really try to make eye contact. Um, Mike Smith here in our office, he, uh, when, when somebody needs a little bit more handholding consulting, he'll go to the office and he'll work with the doctor and the team individually and I went with him on one of his trips and th- there was a dentist that he was a very good dentist. He was great with his team. Um, really, really super nice, friendly guy, but he got really nervous when it came to communication with the patient and we did role playing. Mike had me sit in the chair and he had the doctor present treatment to me. Well, the doctor had his mask on. And he was actually standing behind me when he oh, was presenting treatment. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling pain right now. Yeah. 
So for me to even just try to turn my head that far to, to see him when he's talking to me was a challenge. Uh, we, Mike eventually got the doctor, you know, within, um, within the field of, of vision so that the patient wasn't straining, but you know, his, his natural um, communication style wasn't very good or effective, uh, but eventually got there. But it, it can be taught. My, 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 uh, my, my stepdad who has uh, taught me a lot of stuff uh, uh, that's helped me in my life. He taught me two things. He says, firm handshake and look someone directly in the eye. And I beat that into my two boys who are uh, now, you know, now adults and stuff. Uh, Jess, talk about the, 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 um, I know you talk in some of your consulting, the, the, what, the, why, and the, when in presenting cases. Yeah. You know, I think very often one of the problems with ineffective communication is not knowing that it happened, you know, feeling that, um, I said what I thought I said and that the patient heard what I thought I tried to communicate. And very often when we run into a a doctor that has trouble with treatment acceptance. We dig a little deeper into why is that? And it could be what we've talked about, you know, using uh, words that people don't understand or um, some other um, ineffective communication style. But one of the things that we can really, um, really focus in on is it's something that's very concrete and that you need to give the patient what it is, and describe it in terms that they can understand why they need to do something and when they need to do it. And very often we can, we see doctors that, that can do the what, um, and, and sometimes they can do the why, but they often leave off the when. And for, you know, for a patient in the chair, they're looking to that doctor as, as, um, you know, the, the specialist and, and the doctor, um, someone who's trained. So I am going to follow what they prescribe for me or what they lay out. But if I haven't told them when they need to do something, I may think, great, in two years, I'll, I'll get that crown. Well, it might be that the doctor thinks you need to do that in the next six months. So we really talk to the doctors about you know, every time you're communicating with the patient, really try to touch in on the what, the why, and the when. That, that's that's really really great advice. Now I I was uh, back uh, when I got it start when I got started in the um, in the dental profession back in the mid eighties. There was a wonderful and I'm you know we're still friends. Uh, I, I think she's still working. Jennifer D. St. George was was an iconic dental lecturer, and she came to Orange County and she lectured. And she talked about the three most important things, and I still use this today. 35 years later, in, in my lectures and in my consulting with my clients, the three most important things that a patient looks at when they're going to decide whether to retain a dentist and whether uh, they're going to refer that dentist to their friends. Uh, one of them is a painless dentist. The other one is a friendly staff. And the third one is the one I would like you to address, because uh, I know you and I have talked about that and you shared some of that in Huntington Beach, is how important is it that the doctor run on time? Oh, my gosh. All right, that. That one is huge. Um, and, you know, the, the interesting thing is very often if you surveyed the, the dental team, um, if you ask the dentist, you're, you're probably going to get um, someone that, that doesn't have a great awareness of whether they're running on time. The, the doctor's focused, 
in the back, they're focused on the patient and on the treatment that they're doing. Um, they, they very often don't know. The front office team is going to be the, the group that, that knows the most because they're the ones that are right in front of the patients and, and dealing with this. Um, but, you know, if you, if you talk about what, what could be preventing a practice from growing, you know, if you were going to your dentist and um, every time you went in, you had to sit in the waiting room for 20 minutes or more. And you have a, a golfing buddy that says, hey, Art, I'm, I need a new dentist. Uh, do, you, do you have any recommendations? Do you think you're going to refer that dentist to your, to your friend if you know they're going to have to wait 20 minutes each time? Yeah, it doesn't matter how good of a dentist they are. All you think of is I had to wait 20 minutes in the waiting room. Exactly. It, it, it's, it's really, yeah, and, and that is critical. And, and I get from the doctors, well, I really like to connect with my patients. I really like to communicate with my patients and stuff like that. You can do that in a short period of time without making it look like you're rushed or anything like that. But you can't, you can't be behind. It, it's not only going to drive the patients crazy, but it's going to drive your dental team crazy. Because then the next appointment comes in and then they know okay, they know Mrs. Smith is going to have to sit there for a half hour. They just don't want to tell her that. And that happens in medical offices a lot. We don't want that happening in the dental office. So, Absolutely. And, you know, um, our firm has a, has a a book coming out for dentists. That, oh, you do? Uh, super excited about. Mike Smith is, is authoring that, and he's um, putting the final edits together as we speak. Uh, but he's got – Chapter two, run on time. The entire chapter is all about running on time. And he's got list of common reasons why practices get behind um, and strategies for running on time. But, you know, you talk about a dentist that says, well, they like to connect with the patient. And I, I agree with you. You can do that in a short period of time. But if that's really the, the dentist's preference, well, all you need to do is make sure that you're communicating with the front office team how long you need to, to meet with the patient. Right. And it's, so it's about communication between the front and the clinical team so that we're scheduling the proper amount of time. You know, new patients are another one that very often ends up taking longer than, than others because there's just there's a lot to go over and a lot of information. So to me, running on time really comes down to the schedule. And if there isn't good communication or if the schedule isn't set up properly, maybe it's to deal with emergencies or new patients, um, extra treatment, all of those things. If you've got good communication, then you can avoid, um, avoid running behind. Oh, absolutely. That, that is huge. Let, let's get into hygiene. Hygiene is a big, big part of the practice, Jess. Um, uh, talk about some of the metrics that you look at with your clients on uh, hygiene and 4,000 codes and things like that. Yeah. Um, so there's, we look at a number of things, but I would say that the top three would be uh, the scaling and root plane, the numbers and the, the perio maintenance after that. And then um, it's kind of the, the sealants and, and fluoride with scaling and root planing. Um, you know, what, what we want to do is just, Again, lay out some numbers for the doctor and start a conversation. Um, we know from from various sources that there's probably you know thirty to forty percent of the population has gum disease. If we see a practice where 
scaling root planning numbers are not um, indicative of the general population having, um, you know, 30% of the general population not having um, scaling root planning done, then um, we, we want to lay those numbers out for the doctor. It could be that uh, one of the hygienists or maybe a couple of them uh, aren't great at identifying uh, gun disease. Uh, it could be that they are um, um, not, um, you know, identifying it uh, or or just not doing it. Um, maybe they're getting a little bit older and, and um, you know, that, that extra work is a little bit harder. Um, but what we want to do is just have the conversation with them. Uh, very often what that's done is it's, it's led to the doctor speaking with the team. And what we've heard back is just that, you know, that's a conversation I probably should have had with the hygiene team uh, a long time ago. Um, but it's almost always come back that, yeah, there's probably a little bit more gum disease that we're just not um, identifying that we should be. Uh, and, and also important if there's any turnover in the hygiene department. Well, first, yeah, and, and those are all great, great points, Jess. And and we have to, you know, our hygienists are the are the gatekeepers. I mean, we know the the links between periodontal disease and heart disease, liver disease, lung disease, because all disease starts in the mouth. It seems like, and there's studies. And doctors, I am telling you, and I'm going to beat on this every chance I get, is if you are not uh, probing regularly, if you are not, if your hygienists are not committed. With those four, five, six millimeter pockets to getting those patients into SRPs and into uh, non-surgical periodontal um, uh, treatment, uh, you got a liability issue coming. Isn't that right, Jess? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and that that that's really important. And the other thing I think, Jess, let's talk about this for a minute. Is is the how important is it for the team to know the doctor's treatment philosophy? In other words, if the, the hygienist says, you know, doc, I'm, I'm really want you to look at 17. I think this is, you know, this, this is looking pretty bad. And, and, and if that hygienist doesn't understand what the doctor thinks is an inlay, what the doctor thinks is an onlay, what the doctor thinks is a, a four-surface uh, composite restoration, what the doctor thinks is a crown, isn't that a problem? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and um, if, you know, if you think about the, from the patient's perspective, if they're seeing the hygienist and the hygienist uh, is telling them, hey, everything looks great, uh, and most of the conversation is about, you know, their recent vacation or something like that, then the doctor comes in and takes a look at something, and all of a sudden there's, there's a major problem. Um, that's confusing to the patient, and we don't want confusion. We want cohesion. And so, you know, one of the things that we really work on with our clients is uh, sort of what I'd call the effective handoff and, and starting the conversation from the hygienist and the hygienist then handing that off to the doctor with, with what the hygienist is seeing. And, and now we've got a team of people that are all on the same page. So I think that that communication and, and being on the same page, as you said, is, is really, really important. And that includes the assistant. Cause what I've seen Jess, is I see the, you know, the, the doctor leaves the room and the patient has been presented this this diagnosis, and the first thing that the patient's going to do is turn to either the assistant or the hygienist and say, "I really need to have a couple of crowns." And if the answer is, "Well, yeah, I guess so," that's not going to work. The answer has to be, "Let me tell you something, Mrs. Smith. 
we are so in tune with what Dr. Jones does in this practice. And he is so good at what he does and cares so much about his patients. We always, we have a saying, if Dr. Jones says it's a crown, it really must be a crown and and, and it's going to be in your best. And that's what's got to happen. I mean, that, that's so got to happen in the practice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a, a minute about um, the growth or reduction in the recall patient base. How, how do you look at that? Yeah, you know, the, the, um, for the, the hygiene department um, and the recall uh, rate, um, you know, knowing that about 50% of what the doctor does comes from the hygiene department. Uh, if, if someone is looking at growing a practice, really, I think you need to start with the hygiene program. Um, and and make, making sure that you're, you're watching if, if the hygiene is, recall is growing or, or shrinking. Um, you know, I think of the, the movie Field of Dreams and the quote, if you build it, he will come. Yeah, I love that movie. And uh, that movie actually stole that quote from us when we were talking about the dental practices and the hygiene department. Uh, oh, did, did, they didn't acknowledge that? And Kevin <laughs> Costner didn't acknowledge that? No, no, they left it out. Oh, I, I think you've got a lawsuit on your hands right there. There you go. But, you know, that's to, to me, it's really important to see, um, you know, if, if doctor wants to grow the practice, let's start with the hygiene program and let's add a day and, and focus on that. And, and you build that and, and then it will come. And, and the, it's, it's important that the team goes to continuing education also. I know that, and, and I've always said this, Jess, is, you know, doctors pick your poison uh, and I'll throw out a bunch of names. I'm not endorsing any of those names. Um, you know, I'm just not endorsing any of those names, but we're talking Spear and Coice and Panky and LVI and all these groups that, that provide amazing training and continuing education. And if, if the teams are involved, then everybody is, is, is really on the same page. Um, so, uh, Jess, unfortunately, you and I could talk for hours definitely about golf, which is really all that matters in this life. <laughs> yeah. I really don't care about – no, I'm just kidding. The rest of the stuff – but uh, let's. How about some final tips for our doctors as far as you know managing the metrics of their practice, managing their practices, what they should be doing? Yeah, you know, I think that um, it's really important. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of numbers that they should be looking at um, and things that they should be paying attention to. You know, very often it, it can be overwhelming for somebody and it really does kind of come back to having, having an advisor, whether it's a consultant that you've hired outside or, or, you know, if, if you're um, having your advisor and consultant also working with your accounting and your taxes, whoever that is, um, you know, look to them to help you build the skills to be able to manage your practice and, and get some help interpreting and understanding those things. But, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, at the beginning, you know, fraud and embezzlement, um, you know, to me, that's sort of step one that you're you're making sure that you're looking at some numbers up front uh, so that that opportunity is gone. And then that sort of segues into some of these other things. But, um, you know, very often at the end of the day, when the doctor's tired from from all the, the treatment that they've been doing and, and working with the patients, the last thing they want to do is go home and, and start looking at some reports. But uh, find a way, uh, find a time to do it. It's important. Uh, you'll really thank yourself once you've built that skill for for reviewing and analyzing. And, and if you need help, just get help and get 
get someone to help you look at those numbers so that you can uh, accurately interpret them. Well, and, and here, here's the thing too, doctors and, and, and Jess, is that if you don't look at your numbers, you're going, you're leaving profit on the table. Any member of our group, Jess and Mike and Christy, and uh, can can look at your numbers and just say, you know, what percentage of your um, uh, of your hygiene patients are being reappointed the day they leave? And your your front office person is going to tell you, oh well, it's, it's you know ninety plus percent. Well, the national average is about fifty four percent, to be quite honest with you, and 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 and. and by going through these metrics with someone like uh, like Jess uh, and, and the folks at Fluence or some of the ADCPA doctors, you're going to find money. And 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 Jess, what can they do with that money? They can put it in a retirement plan. They can pay down their mortgage. They can buy real estate. They can build net worth so they can retire, right? And isn't Absolutely. that some of what you talk to your clients about too? Yeah. You know, it's long-term planning, um, you know, whether it's tax uh, preparation and, and making sure you don't have a tax surprise this current year. Or, you know, longer term with saving for college and 529s and when do you want to retire? All of those things, they all come into play. And, you know, any sort of growth or savings can only be done when you're proactive and and you are uh, minimizing lost revenue or opportunities. Um, it, you know, coming up with a proactive plan versus being reactive, I think, is is really the, the main thing. Well, and that's, that's great advice. And, and Jess, your, your information is spot on. And um, we are thrilled to have you guys at Fluence uh, as a part of the Academy of Dental CPAs. Oh, and and you're, you're, it, 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 it's always wonderful to, to hang out with you guys. Uh, one more time, why don't you give out your contact information? And, and, and by the way, when is this book coming out? Um, I, I think it's uh, going to come out before the end of this year. Um, there's nine chapters. Um, it's, it's going to be a, a great resource, um, that we can share with people, um, goes, goes into a lot of the, the main issues that the dentists are seeing and, and struggle with very often, but, so, uh, and, yeah, so, we'll share all of that with you when it comes out. Yeah. And, and, and our listeners, you can uh, check back with, with, uh, Jess and find out maybe you can get a copy of the book, uh, if they were to ask for it, I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, you certainly give them a call. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so my email is the letter J B O G U M I L at Fluence Portland, all one word, dot com. And um, yeah, our website is, is fluenceportland.com. Well, uh, uh, Jess Bogomel, thank you so much for taking your valuable time. Uh, again, it, it's, I, I, I love every member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. They're my, my friends. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be able to get some of you guys on, uh, on the podcast. You, you provided some great information. I know I was taking notes in Huntington beach. Um, and, and ladies and gentlemen, if you are not working with a dental CPA, like HS Bogomel, uh, or Fluence, if you're in, if you're listening anywhere in the state of Oregon, um, you need to call these guys plain and simple because they're going to help you grow your practice, find profit leaks, save you taxes. They know everything about dentistry. And the cool thing about our group is that if we don't have the answer, we know the people in the industry uh, and in the profession who do. So uh, again, you want to get a hold of me, folks, it's 714-259-0505. Art Wiederman at gmail.com if you have a question. Again, look on our website, HMWCCPA. Um, go to the resources tab, go to podcasts. You'll be able to see all the podcasts, including the one that we did with uh, with Jess. And um, 
if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States of America, uh, give uh, go on the internet and look at www.adcpa.org. Uh, Jess Bogomel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Art. Thanks for the opportunity. I had a lot of fun. Well, that's the idea. We have fun, and uh, you and I will have a date uh, with a little white ball with dimples somewhere down the road, and it will be at Bandon because that is one of the places I have always wanted to go. I'm looking forward to showing it to you. Well, I'm looking forward to it too. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this edition of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman CPA. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.